Hey, this is Dub from the iHeartGeek podcast, and you are listening to two of my favorite people, Dino and Michelle, with the Huh podcast. Hey everybody, we're back. Our podcast, this is Dino. And Michelle. And we have a special guest. We have J.P. Willie, um, author, filmmaker, Army vet. Uh, J.P., how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You forgot I'm a Scorpio, too. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, see, I knew I liked you. I'm a Scorpio, too. Uh, and I'm oh, a yeah, we're the best. <laughs> All around good guy. Um, All around great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, okay, you uh, you have a novel, right? Yes, I do. Okay. And as uh, Blood in the Woods? Yes, sir, that's okay. it. And can, uh, you, you have uh, a short film that I absolutely love, Car Baby Bridge. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, that's a, yeah that was my short uh, film that we got out. I had about a six-month uh, film festival run with it uh, across a bunch of... Uh, we submitted it to a bunch of indie film festivals across the U.S. and uh, in Europe as well, too. And uh, after its six months run, I, I pulled it out. Now it's live up on YouTube. But uh, we did win two awards with it. So. Oh, great. Uh, Congrats. Yeah, that's, yeah, that was, yeah, didn't expect it, but we did. So awesome. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. And like you said, you're, uh, you're an army vet. You're a war vet. Yep. And we want to. Thank you for still that. Serving. Still yeah, serving. Yeah, I'm still serving, right? man. I got a year to retirement. Well, not a year. I got about six months to retirement, but probably be about a year till I'm done. Right. Oh. What got you into writing uh, horror or writing in general? Did you start with horror? Did you start with... Uh, what really got me into writing was just... Uh, I was always, I've always been a storyteller, so mm -hmm. I like telling stories, and a lot of guys in the military like telling stories. I was telling stories and jokes and, you know, using my imagination as a kid uh, right. for years, and um, when I got back from my second deployment uh, in 2006 uh, with the uh, 173rd Airborne Brigade, uh, I was going through a lot of stuff. I'd seen a lot of stuff, uh, especially after being my second deployment uh, to that to that wonderful country of Afghanistan mm. uh, and my best friend Jack lost his sister Jamie uh, to a car accident and I really just started writing uh, as a form of therapy like um, I really wasn't in a good in a happy place <laughs> in my life I was in a, a terrible marriage at the time uh, I was suffering from some issues from you know PTSD some of the stuff that I've seen uh, I had missed my friends uh, I just it was like a sort of like a turning point like in my life where I was just, I didn't know how I was still alive and other people were gone. So that's sort of really how I started writing. And um, and then Blood in the Woods, I just sat down one day and uh, took a lot of the experiences that, I, that were true that had happened to me as a kid living out there in southeastern Louisiana. And I just started plotting, man, uh, a novel. I'd always been a horror fan. I've always read 
uh, horror. Uh, the first novel I can remember reading as a kid was Bram Stoker's Dracula. And it was so advanced for me, I had to skip over a lot of words, but I was oh, just yeah. so like into the genre and into, you know, just horror. And, you know, my mother was a big horror fan, so I grew up watching that stuff. So um, I had a story to tell, and it was unique and it was different. Uh, it was extreme, but I thought it needed to be told because, um, you know, a lot of terrible, horrible things happen for real, you know, mm-hmm. in this earth. It's not about cars coming to life that eat people or werewolves in the woods, you know, that chase after you. Even though those do make great stories, I wanted to tell something a little bit different, uh, and I wanted to write the Stand By Me of Horror, and uh, that's sort of what I did, and I uh, based it, you know, off of my true life experiences with my friends and some crimes that really did happen uh, in the state of Louisiana, so if you want to know, just Google the Hosanna Church out in Ponchatoula, Mm -hmm. it'll make you sick. And so I took a lot of the crimes that were committed into that church from that church and some of the, you know, occurrences that I witnessed in Afghanistan and I mixed them all together and I created, you know, my bad guys and, you know, what some of the outcomes would be for the children within the novel. And that's um, how Blood in the Woods was born. And that's how I started writing, you know, after Jamie's death is really uh, what made me start doing it. And it took me seven years for me to get that novel published, seven years that sat on a on a hard drive. Wow. Uh, before it got picked up. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And... Persistence pays. <laughs> yeah. 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 Keep and, going. And like you said, you know, the 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 monsters are cool, the zombies are cool, you know, the werewolves are cool, but the more real to life horror, you know, is what's the real gut wrenching thing, you know, like. Like another author, you know, you know, God rest his soul, uh, Jack Ketchum, kind of took mm-hmm. the real life horror. Yeah. And and as you know, and even as far as PTSD and vet, you know, veterans and stuff like that, and put them on a page to make some horrific novels as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah, I mean, when you can draw from real life, it, without trying to be, a, it makes. Right. Because it's real. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. You can play, you can place your, you can place yourself in it because you're reading something from a human perspective and not some right. supernatural creature. Right. And that's kind of why I've always liked that type of horror. Yeah, more of the as, a, as opposed to right. the, yeah. the slasher hacker type. Right, yeah. and that's well, like someone yeah, like. Well, if you've read the novel, you 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 it's it's pretty rough. So I mean, if you're into that kind of stuff, you should definitely check out Blood in the Woods, and uh, you can pick it up on audiobook or you can read it or put it on your Kindle. But just read the reviews first, because there's a there's a lot of reviews up there on it, and there's a lot of press on it, you know, through social media and even on YouTube. Uh, it, it's rough, but um, it's it's very rewarding as well too. Uh, a lot of people, me being an indie author, for the response that it's gotten over the two and a half, almost three years that it's been out, has been like phenomenal, and it's uh, and it's been really awesome to hear the feedback from you know readers on it. But it is it is pretty hard to stomach. It was hard for me as a as a Christian and, and as a writer to write some of the scenes uh, within that novel, but what you read within that novel is things that are happening right now as we speak, and that's the truth, and that's what makes the novel more terrifying than anything. Right. So, Kind of to tie it into a lot of what we do at, here at Ha, 
is talking about horror and being Christian and how you introduce that right. horror, you know, the horror genre to your children. Would yeah. your now our oldest son is twelve, going to be thirteen in October? Mm-hmm. Don't um, let him read that book. <laughs> don't let him read the book. Do not. All right, okay. that don't, was going to be my question. <laughs> but, but, but I would, de- I would definitely. My, my best friend Jack, like everybody that you'll read about about in that novel, is real. They still exist. They're all on my Facebook. You know, people ask them questions from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but Jack, my best friend, like his kids are in high school and haven't read the book yet because it gets a little, it gets extreme, but the extreme things that are happening in the novel were really happening during that crime in, in 2006 in the Hosanna church. It was disgusting. Okay. It, was, it was horrible. But, um, I mean, I mean, if you want him to read it, like I think it, parents should definitely read it first, but oh, yeah. I wanted to be on you guys' show for quite some time is because you guys are Christian based and I think you're the first Christian horror you know podcast i've ever been on and i've never been able to speak about like a lot of the christian elements within blood in the woods that many people overlook or they just pass up Mm -hmm. because it's there like faith is extremely strong within that novel as you read it even when these horrible things are occurring uh especially when you get towards the end there's a certain scene and if you read it give me a ring or call me after you pick it up say hey joe (laughs) i saw it like you're right uh but but they're there, and most people get I think overwhelmed and with all the just the violence and the the shock and brutality of the novel, but they miss some of this extremely strong faith messages and content that's like in there. Um, and uh, to me, that was great as a Christian to be able to still sneak that light in the darkness of that novel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that was you know I I was talking with a friend of mine. And um, when we did we did our cross promotional podcast, and one of the things he asked me, he goes, "You are a Christian and you don't hide your faith. However, you watch, you appear to watch some of the most atrocious movies. How do you, how do you?" Justify. Justify doing that. You know, how do you, you know, defend that? And I said, well, let me tell you, in my eyes, the Christian genre is probably the one genre. You mean the hard? I mean, uh, yeah. The horror, (laughs) well, the Christian genre is horrific when it comes to movies, to be honest with you. But (laughs) the horror genre is the one genre that makes the best delineation between good and evil, in my opinion. You know, when you're watching The Exorcist, there is no, you know, there is no blurry line between who is good and who is evil when you're watching that. You know, but when you're watching a regular drama or even a romantic comedy, or everything is morally ambiguous. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, but yet horror is not afraid on the most, you know, at least until a couple of years ago to say this is evil, this is good. You yeah, know? I agree 100%. I've always looked at horror as a Christian as a way to keep my eyes out for like the enemy. Yeah. Like that's sort of how I've looked at it. Like, you know, I stay, I, I've always, I've just always loved hard and like just the way it made me feel while watching it, like giving me shots of adrenaline and fear and, you know, getting your heart rate up and you can feel the pulse in your neck. Uh, I've always, just, you know, I, I've always liked that. 
Uh, but I'm also, as a Christian watching horror, realize that, you know, like you said, there's always good versus evil. Yeah. And even though it's a horror movie, it's normally the good guys win. Mm-hmm. And that's always what's been good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, you'll have the Christians that will take scripture completely out of context. And this is a lot of what we talk about on the show, too, is mm-hmm. how Christians will take these scriptures, these little bumper stickers, and use it completely out of context and apply it where it doesn't uh, have any bearing. And they'll use things like, well, God didn't give us a spirit of fear, therefore we shouldn't be watching horror movies. To which I look and go, well, do you ride a roller coaster? Because you're inducing, you're, you're, you're looking for a fearful reaction. On that. Fear is an emo- fear is an emotion. Yeah. So why a, yeah. why is a horror movie evil, but going on a roller coaster and getting an adrenaline shot that way, not sinful? And they don't have an answer because no. unfortunately, being Christians, uh, we are some of the most judgmental people uh, on earth. Yep. Unfortunately. Yep. And hypocritical. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I, I have to say it. Like I, no. I have to and say you're, it. I, and you're not I, the first I, one to say it, it on this uh, show. Yeah, not the first one to say it on this show, and I don't know if you want me to really get into all of that, <laughs> how I feel about that. Yeah, we usually take full segments and run with stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I do a lot of, um, I don't know if it's debating or arguing or, I try and make it as discussion-filled as possible but online with other Christians about um, the way that they use scripture. And mm-hmm. basically one of the things that I've, I've said more often that I wish I had to was that one of the worst things to ever happen to the Bible is it being broken up into chapter and verse. Mm-hmm. Because, and not being given the full copies of the Bible. Yeah. Right. Because like, like the Bible's like out of order. Like right. people get confused when they read Job. And I think Job should come like right after Genesis. Yeah. If it makes sense, like within, within scripture. See, and like, and like, you know what I don't like the most is like closed-minded Christians. Mm-hmm. Like that's that that's what drives me nuts the most. Like, we realize this, the Bible that we read today was put together by the Catholic Church. Every man is not pure, and they have their own agendas. So, if you write a book. You know, and your wife writes a book, and I write a book, but I'm the main publisher, and you give me some of your short stories for the book that we're compiling. And I say, uh, yeah, I don't like that from your wife, but we'll keep that one. Uh, we'll keep that one. We'll put that one in. That sort of fits what we want you to know about Christ and about this. And we push it out. When there's tons of documents within the Vatican, there's other scrolls that came out uh, the same time as the Dead Sea Scrolls that people aren't aware about. Like, for example, like my family is like extremely Christian, right? Down South Louisiana, Bible Belt. Mm-hmm. Who is it? I remember when the Gospel of Judas came out, it was discovered, and people started doing the research into it, and they backdated it to the same time as the Dead Sea Scrolls, and you know they translated it, and it basically, the moral of the Gospel of Judas, the story, was that Christ and Judas were more friendly, best friends, than any of the other like disciples, and that Christ knew that Judas was going to betray him, and sort of told him to do it, because he couldn't do it, and they bashed Catholicism. So... When you show me factual documents of the same time, because all of the scripture was written by man right. and written by apostles and written by disciples, like, where, who are we to tell the people 
you know, what we want. Did, is this true that Judas was more close to the Christ and ended up, you know, killing himself uh, because of his guilt for betraying Christ, yeah, even though Christ told him to? Or did we just need a bad guy in a book, like any book that you write, and we needed, you know, an antagonist? And we didn't want to have that bastion Catholicism, or we needed a bad guy. So did we make Judas a bad guy? Like, so I question... I don't question my faith, and I don't question the man upstairs, and I firmly believe in Christ, but I do question man, and what they're trying to tell me is fact. So that's where I stand a lot of the times, and uh, a lot of Christians don't want to hear that. They're like, oh, that's blasphemous, the gospel of Judas. Well, how do you tell me it's blasphemous when if I would have walked into a cave and the gospel of Judas is on the left, and you know the you know scripture from Genesis or whatever is to the right, how are you going to tell me that, that that's wrong, that that's whatever, does it just not fit your agenda or what you're wanting to say? Like, so I've always questioned a lot of stuff uh, about that when it comes to Christians, not wanting to research and, and know about, you know, the other stories in the Bible. I think the book of Enoch is like really interesting to read it, if you've ever read it. It's pretty wild. Right, yeah, I don't, I have not read it. I've read parts of it um, that people have uh, posted um, either online or whatnot. But no, I do think that it is... Excuse me. Hold, hold on. on. What, is what, wrong? what is going on? I accidentally stepped on one of the dolls. <laughs> what, what doll? The doll. Okay. So okay. What, how am I? You what? stepped on her and her head came off. Well, you you deal with that. <laughs> I'm not dealing with decapitated doll heads. That is okay, my. Okay, <laughs> mommy will pop it. That is my nightmare fuel. But you do realize <laughs> you're recording right now, right? I know. <laughs> I was trying to like open the door quietly. <laughs> yes. How many you... kids you guys got? Three. Yeah, three. This is yeah. our middle one. This is the. I got. No, this is the I got five. Oh, I understand, I understand the pain. No. <laughs> and they only need you when you're doing something. <laughs> okay. I'm surprised my others ones haven't ran in here yet. I will, but I'm not going to do it right now, so go find somebody else to play with. Okay. I mean, she's already missing an arm, a finger, and so, yeah. So. <laughs> Good night, baby. Thank God for editing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go, hon. Oh, great. <laughs> she was one of my Barbie dolls oh. when I was a kid. <laughs> oh. But the dog has already taken off one arm. Oh, and nice. now her head is toast. Right. But anyway, okay. okay. So, Book of Enoch. Yeah, so I, I've seen parts of it, but I have not picked it up to read um, the whole of it. And I, I would be interested in doing that. Mm -hmm. You know, somebody had posted the other day referencing, you know, how many different books are actually um, quoted within the accepted Bible, but people don't reach out mm -hmm. to find out right. to read those books that are quoted in our Bible. And, so, mm -hmm. and isn't the book of Enoch yes. one of them that Jesus himself quoted? I do believe so, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and that's the thing. You know, within the 66 books that are accepted, we have a hard enough time agreeing on what the hell those say. You know, especially mm -hmm. when it comes to... It's all open about, for interpretation. I yeah, mean, that's yeah. why you have so many religious, you know, followings and, you know, churches. I mean, and, and a lot of it, you know, I am a... I know Christ came back to, you know, sort of 
he didn't come back to kill religion, but he changed it. Like yeah. when, when Christ came back, it was supposed to be like the end of sort of what you know religion was at the time. And like to, like me, I'm not a huge. Um, I wish I could find like a more smaller church. Mm-hmm. Uh, like to attend to, like that's non-denominational. Right. I have a really big hard time attending these like mega churches and, and all this. Like, um, I just don't see a, uh, I don't know. And I know I shouldn't pay attention to the people around me and and everything there. And I should try to just you know fall, fall you know fall into the word and, and listen to it and try to educate myself. Uh, but I just have a rough time like with these Joel Olsteins and oh. and like like just I just I just can't I just can't get behind it, man. I just I, I think it, like it, it reminds me when I was stationed in Italy. I, I, I lived in Italy for four years and I went to a church and I didn't have any euro on me. Euro is the money they, they yeah. use over there. And I didn't have any coins on me. And I went to a church and this nun asked me to leave. And I was like, why? She was like, you didn't pay to come into the church to like look at the paintings and everything. And I was like, so you're telling me right now, I was like, if Christ appeared right next to me, this would be okay with him. I was like, for me to step into this church, just to see historical, just uh, this historical centuries old church and, and to maybe say prayers to my father through Christ, but you want to charge me to be here and you're going to kick me out? I was like, you know, I, I could have slapped the piss out of a nun that day. I could not have done it. Yeah, I mean, but it- I didn't. Isn't there a whole story about Jesus flipping tables over crap like that? Yeah, he did. I mean, when he went into, because he found them doing sort of what they were doing. Yeah. He went in, I'm telling you, Christ didn't probably go through saying, darn it, and this. Like, I'm pretty sure he was hot and heavy when he was flipping those tables like a drill siren and kicking people and throwing them out and doing what he had to do. a whip. Yeah, grab a whip, man. That's what I'm talking, man. And call them a brood grab of bikers. And... Indiana Jones style. <laughs> Indiana, Indiana Jesus, just popping them. <laughs> well, there, there was that one church. We were in Tennessee. In order, in order to attend, you had to provide your W-2s. Yeah. Because yeah, that's madness. They, that's madness to me, and, and that's why I'm not just a fan of organized religion. Yeah. Like I know I'm not the most well diversed. In, in the book, uh, I have a study Bible that I read from, and I should probably read more of it than sitting down and writing more screenplays and novel ideas. Um, but uh, I, I mean, we try to teach our kids, we try to stay, you know, in the Word. Um, but I, I just can't get behind this big organized religion, and I, I don't like bashing other people's, you know, religions and, and everything. I just say I'm Christian, non-denominational, so I'll, I'll go listen to any church that's pre- preaching the good book. Um, but certain religions I just can't support or like get behind that say they're Christian, so I just can't do it. Yep. yep. We, we seem to be right on with that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, oh, uh, like, sorry, are you guys like non non denominational or yeah. no? Or no, we're non denominational. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I I've never been able to get behind the Catholic religion like at all. Like it says in the Old Testament, we don't pray to false idols, yet you pray to a statue of a woman. Yeah, and that's not that's not anywhere that anyone with a brain that has read like the you know first four chapters of the Bible says you're not supposed to do. Pretty sure Moses like came down and threw some commandments at people and some stuff happened for people praying to more false gods after being ordered not to do it. So I, I never got behind it and I never understood either why the Catholic Church is the only one in our Christian religion that still has Christ on the cross and everybody else just has it off. Right. I've never, I've never known why they did that. Yeah, and I, I grew up Catholic. I grew up in New York. 
Um, yeah. Oh, that's a heavy base. Well, you know, and I'm not saying I, yeah. and I don't mean to offend any Catholics. <laughs> yeah. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to help you help me understand why the book says don't do it, but you're doing it. And why and the book you, says don't call another man father. Don't call another man father, but I am your father, but you go to a priest. I don't get it. Right. So you have to debunk it for me. Tell me how it's right. I, I can't. I can't. I can't. Yeah. And and that is, you know, I I went into, you know, agnosticism, you know, after making my confirmation and spent years just kind of dabbling in everything else, trying to find just a tangible relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And then I finally found a tangible relationship with God through, you know, a church I went and it wasn't mm-hmm. about a religion it was about me with God and Jesus and mm-hmm. that's where you know where I am now yeah so yeah I can't I can't answer those questions yeah, see, that, that's yeah. some of the people that I talk to like when I go online and, and, I, and I have these debates or, or discussions because one of the things that uh, you know the podcast motto is be decent to each other but one of the other mottos that Dino and I have lived by for a long time is why do you believe what you believe? Yeah, based on what? Yeah, based on what? Yeah. Why do you believe what you believe? And that's a lot of what I do online now. I get told that I can, I guess I'm crass in how I say it. I don't think I am, but some people yeah. think that's how I come across. But literally all I'm doing is I will ask them questions, and they're just questions asking these people to defend what they believe. Yeah. And they don't like that (laughs) and if you tell me oh it's tradition oh this is how we did no that doesn't cut it for me i don't take anything on tradition anymore why you know it's like the story you guys sound just like me and my wife me and my wife are on the exact same page when it comes to religion and how we we want to know why you believe what you believe and and like i said like you know the the bible is open for a lot of interpretation like you can read revelation just the first three paragraphs and start three different religions off that yeah or even read one one sentence and you believe you know the seven-headed demon is either a seven countries church or it's actually a seven-headed demon and start a church that believes it's a demon and then you can just say it doesn't even exist at all start a religion all that that's what i mean that's why we have so much and that's why we walk by faith and not by sight you right. know so we just we have to be strong in our faith and you know have our talks with god and let him know that we're here mm-hmm. and we believe in him and um you know we won't know the answer to the test until the end I mean, and that's just how we got to live life. We won't know until the very end. We'll get our answers then. Yep. 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 I, you, we, I had one of the discussions I had today with a woman about uh, Revelation 13, about the about the seven-headed dragon. And she basically says that if my eyes were open, I would see that all this is occurring right now and that this mm-hmm. is what's happening right now. And I wasn't trying to debate her understanding of the Bible, but I was asking her, okay, well, if, the, if you believe that this is what's happening and, and this is the end time starting to play out, because she, you know, she was making it, well, you know, we, we can't listen to the government because this is what the government's going to do. And this is, I said, well, if you believe that this is that time playing out, then you, and you believe this is what the Bible's teaching, then are we going to be able to stop it? You know, and that's what I was asking her. If this is a mm-hmm. prophecy given by God, 
do you think it, we're going to be able to stop it? Because I don't think so. <laughs> if, yeah. if, if that is in case what it is. Right. If that is in case what it is, are we going to be, are we able to stop it? And would we want to? <laughs> because if this, if this is what it is, this is one of the steps that it takes before Jesus can, can return for the second coming. <laughs> mm-hmm. If it is, let it be so. If it is, let it be so. Because I'm tired of paying my internet bills. <laughs> <laughs> well, basically what I told her, I said, if this is what it is, then just, we, we don't need to fear it. We just need to place our trust in God and know that it's going to play out the way either he yep. said it would. And just our only role in it is to just trust in him. <laughs> That's it. Indeed. Yep. You know? So it I was, agree. You know, so it's, it, those are the interesting conversations that I get on that we that we bring on here. And like I told you, I can send us down about twenty rabbit holes. So I'm gonna turn it back to back to Dino. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that, and that is a good thing. You know, with this podcast, is we do. You know, sometimes we're we're uh, doctrine heavy. Sometimes we're not. Yet our audience. A lot of them aren't Christians, but yet they still stick around. And I get comments from non-Christians who listen in on us. And I think that's a good thing because this is the only church some people get. Yeah. You know, and I'm not here to save the world, but I am here to tell Christian, uh, non-Christians that a lot of times the problems that you have with God in the Bible are not with God in the Bible, but with the way that God in the Bible have been misrepresented to you. Mm-hmm. And I apologize for that. And no. if we can sit and talk about this crap without yelling blasphemer or heathen or whatever at each other, we can at least have a good, fruitful conversation about this. And be decent yeah. to each other. And be decent. Or, you know, be decent about it. I'm, my, my wife was checking out at the grocery store about a year ago. And me and my wife were very heavily covered in tattoos. Yeah. And this, I wasn't there because if I would have been there, I would have sucker punched him in the face. I'm very old. I'm very, I'm very Old Testament type style, man. Like I wish. I mean, I'm glad Christ came and we got the New Testament, but I really believe in eye for eye, two for two. One of my sayings in the army for the last 20 years uh, has been, "Violence solves everything," because it does. Violence solves everything. And if I would have been there, I would have not figured it out. But he looked at her and told her, he was like, uh, you know you're going to hell, right? With all those tattoos. Uh, and I was like, oh my God. And then, and then, you know, of course me making these horror films, these little indie horror films that I've done, and, and especially Blood in the Woods, the novel, because uh, it's pretty dark and extreme, and it goes into, you know, devil worship and and, and all that, uh, because that was occurring during that time when I was growing up out there in southeastern Louisiana. And really across the nation it was huge there in the early 1990s mm-hmm. uh, you know to mid 90s uh, you know i've been told there's like there's no way there's no way you're a christian i've been denied podcasts and interviews because they thought i was like satanic or evil wow. so um because they couldn't believe a christian wrote something like so dark mm-hmm. wow. yeah. so no, so i know what you're talking about <laughs> yeah you're not okay so your Crybaby Bridge, which once yep. again, you know, I, I I saw it a few months ago. You had sent me a, a link to it, and then we watched, we watched it. it today. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, nice, nice. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Yeah. 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 Um, you want to talk a little bit about? I know that that does seem to be a a common, you know, Ur- common common, a urban. common urban legend. You know, and each region has its own specific details. You know, like yeah, I think here in uh, South Carolina, up in Anderson. Yeah, so about an hour from here, there's a crybaby bridge up there. Right. And yeah, we- I believe every every state has a legend of Crybaby Bridge, and um, when I when I came up with the idea for Crybaby Bridge, um, I've been shooting uh, some of the uh, video book trailers for my novel Blood in the Woods, and I was like, you know what, I want to go ahead and do a film, and so I was sitting around with some of the guys at work and just you know shooting the shit, and um, we had just went through some like mandatory like training from the army, and it was in regards to like you know. Something, something, you know, equal opportunity related. Like, uh, you know, we had like conversations about men, female, female males in the army, so on and so forth. So I was sitting around with the guys, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna make a move about Crybaby Bridge. I was like, and then I'm gonna have a dude deliver a baby. I was like, <laughs> since we want to be equal, I was like, well, let's be equal. I was like, so let's men, let a man have a baby. So it was the first script I had ever written. So I wrote the script. Uh, I pushed, I sent it over to my cousin, uh, Caitlin Jones. She works for a production company out in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, she's served as assistant director for both my films I've been on, so she took a look at it. Uh, so we started, you know, doing local actors. Uh, I wanted first-time actors to be in the film. Um, so we found a bunch of local actors in Leesville, Louisiana. Uh, I stumbled across uh, Crystal Kershaw, who I did makeup for um, Twilight. Uh, she was like Matthew McConaughey's makeup assistant for a bit. Uh, she had worked on uh, Frank Darabont's The Mist, mm-hmm. and so she lived in Lake Charles, and she heard about the project, and she wanted to work on an indie film, so she jumped on board with it, and uh, we sort of put it together, and um, we sat down, did the first table read. Um, I wanted it to be very B-rated. I wanted it to be very campy, like sort of like a 80s throwback, but not like 80s. I wanted shaky, offset camera. Uh, not super great audio. Uh, I did want a killer soundtrack, which I think we delivered very mm-hmm. well on. Uh, Nathan Michael, uh, he's a artist. Uh, he goes by, he goes under Lost Outrider. He's got about four albums out there. Phenomenal. He's a big synthwave artist in the UK. Uh, he wanted to do it, so he did the complete score for it. Um, I got a buddy uh, who was one of my soldiers when I was a drill sergeant. His name is Fresh P. He's a big up-and-coming rap artist in Florida who uh, gave up uh, one of his songs and then a local band in the area, you know, contributed one of theirs too. And the film just sort of came together and, um, and, and that was it. And it took me quite some time to get it done, you know, balancing, you know, the wife, five kids and, and the army. Right. Uh, you know, I, I edited it, I color graded it, uh, you know, I did all that stuff. And then, you know, when you complete it, you know, you send it out to the world and see what, you know, people think about it. And, when we sent it to a bunch of reviewers and horror websites and everything, the feedback was, was sort of shocking. I thought I was going to get, like, you know, reviews that said, this is complete trash, don't watch this, skip over. And, you know, in the film festival, the Indie Film Festival, we won two awards with it, took first place once and third place in the Lake Charles Film Festival. So, I, I mean, I was happy with it. Um, I think we achieved everything we wanted to do with it. Um, and the film was made with no budget, like zero budget. We didn't spend one dime, one cent on that. And we haven't made any money from it either. So all the actors, all the crew, cast, all did it for free just for the love of being creative and making something fun. Wow. Mm. Yeah. 
I mean, so that's that's the story behind Crybaby. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to show the world that if you want to do something, get off your ass and go do it. Right. Like I wanted to make a film, be creative, do the best you can, write your script, go out there, create, you know, introduce yourself and meet wonderful, talented people that can help your vision and your dreams come true. Now I can only imagine if I was to get like say a million dollars to shoot Crybaby Bridge and you know make it into a full length feature film, it'd be something probably 10 times better than what that tiny little 10 minute short is. And that's my goal is to do things no budget or low budget and show the world and people what I can do and see if they want me to, you know, take the reins on something bigger and better. But if it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. And I move on to the next thing. Hmm. Okay. Now I know that, you know, this quarantine has kind of shut down everything, uh, production wise on, you know, everything. But what are your plans for the Do you have another project that you intend on jumping on? You know, I, well, my novella, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, my novella, uh, Hot Summer Savior, is complete. Right now I'm sort of shopping around for a uh, new publisher. Uh, by summertime uh, this year, if I don't get picked up by any of the indie publishers out there, I'm just going to go out and self-publish it. i got a great editor that's on the side. Uh, that's a Bram Stoker award-winning, uh, you know, author that's going to edit it for me, mm-hmm. uh, and I might just self-publish uh, that route because, just to be honest, I mean, getting picked up from a indie publisher, it's great because you feel like you've accomplished something. Some people never get picked up from anyone, mm-hmm. but self-publishing, I mean, if you're willing to spend the money to get a great graphic designer, which I have, or an illustrator, uh, Joey Brana, he's the guy that's done all my book covers and film posters. He's a phenomenal guy, great friend, great family man. Uh, you know, I already got that. So all I need is just an editor. Why I can sort of cut out the middleman in today's competition with publishing and make a little bit more money for myself. Because to be honest, like anytime anyone buys a copy of Blood in the Woods, I make about a dollar. Yeah. About a dollar a book. So, but if you self-publish and it's good work, and um, you know, you can put maybe four dollars in your pocket instead of just one dollar. Right. So it's just be, it's really about being confident in your work, just pushing it out there, uh, being aggressive. Um, because honestly, I've been with my publisher for, I think Blood in the Woods has been published through them for about two years, and uh, not don't mean to bash them at all, and don't care if they're listening, but every set of press, every podcast I've got, every interview I've gotten, every TV show, uh, well, not TV show, every TV like spot in Louisiana that I've been on, mm-hmm. I've done it all myself. Right. So why the fuck do I even need you? Right. So you, you've why do been I need grinding you? it, right. Why do I need you? So I encourage people to self-publish. Uh, just get a great graphic artist to have somebody format it for you and pay for a great editor. And you can possibly be the next Stephen King. Right. Now, because if you if you think about like King, all the stories you, he wrote, if Stephen King was writing what he wrote at the beginning now, it's so much competition out there due to yeah. just indie publishers, self-publishing, and the big publishers who already have their fan base and, and all their money invested into their big sellers. It's almost impossible to break through. That's why I try to stay creative and draw more attention to myself, you know, doing film, doing more novels, doing novellas, making, you know, book trailers to try to stand out amongst what everybody else is doing. Right. Now, you were saying that for your novel, you were saying you, you were getting about a, a, a buck a copy? Yeah, you get, yeah, you get about a, yeah, you get about a buck a copy. And that's for a hard copy, right? Yeah, that's for a paperback. So, and for so, ebook, you might get like... Two cents or That's ten cents. I was going to say, like for <laughs> digital, it had to have been like less than yeah. a nickel. Yeah. Wow. 
Yeah. And audio an audio book you'll probably get about five bucks for it because, you know, most of that money is gonna go to the narrator and the editor of the book originally and the publisher and then you get the leftover scraps. Wow. So if you can cut out the middleman, I encourage everybody who's listening that wants to write, do it yourself. Just have trust, have have faith in your story, uh, hire a great editor. Uh, one that could help you with even pacing, so on and so forth. Um, send your workout to reviewers before it's finalized or maybe even edited. I just did that uh, with our guys, our buds over there with uh, Tara and Podnito. So uh-huh. Palmer is reading my, um, you know, unedited, straight from my brain on the paper manuscript of Hot Summer Savior. Oh, great. But yeah. his feedback is going to be crucial when it comes to me possibly doing some more edits, maybe pacing up the story, maybe, you know, improving upon characters better. So it's good to get that criticism and that feedback and being a creator and a writer and a director. So you got to push your work out and hear what the people think about it and then try to, you know, tailor it to your audience. Yeah. Um, Note taken. Yeah, that is some <laughs> great advice. <laughs> that is some great advice. Now, as far as film, your advice there is just get it and grind it and do it all yourself soup to nuts. Yeah, I mean, just if you want to do film, go out. You know, you can go on these Facebook uh, uh, posts or groups. You know, they got local film groups. I'm sure wherever you're located right now in the U.S., if you typed in film group, you know, um, you know, BFE Egypt, somebody's going to pop right. up. And somebody's going to be maybe looking for an audio guy or a camera guy or a director or a producer or someone who wants to do whatever. And, you know, and you meet these people, sort of do a face-to-face with them, and then go execute. I mean, you always got to have a script first. If there's no script, you ain't got anything. Right. Um, so, um, but yeah, for films, the same way, you know, I just I just try to do decent, good, no-budget indie films. Uh, the one that I have right now, Welcome Home Rougarou, that's still in post-production, mm-hmm. uh, it's like a, uh, your wife will probably like it, it's based off the Louisiana Werewolf. Um, so we shot it about a year ago, uh, it's been in like, it was crazy just trying to shoot this, just due to the location. And then my wife's mother, when we were going to shoot it one time, my wife's mother got very sick. She felt ill. I mean, she like had a stroke, heart attack, almost died. We had to put shooting off for a while. And we came back and did it. And um, I haven't really been working on it as of yet due to, you know, me looking at possibly being out of the military in the next six months or more. Uh, so my focus is really on my transition into civilian life and then getting the film done. But it will get done, and when it comes out, I believe people are going to be uh, very impressed with it, and I think it's going to be a, a, a favorite in the indie you know, horror circuit. Yeah. It's a great story. It's a story that's never been told, and we're really sort of excited to get it out there. And you have a trailer for that on your Facebook, right? I mean, yeah, on sure your uh, YouTube. Yeah, sure did. Yeah, we put I put together a quick uh, little uh, clip of it. Uh, I got some great buds that are over in the UK. Uh, our relationship is really through social media and a couple, you know, voicemail calls and everything. Their name is uh, New Arcades, uh, Dean Cantry and uh, Adam Sullivan. Uh, you can go check out all their music as well, too. They're going to be composing the entire score for the film. So I'm really excited to work with them. Uh, they're excited. Uh, they know I'm in a big transition in my life. And they're patient, and um, you know, I couldn't be more happy of all the artists and all the people that I've worked with that have like lent me their talents to make something that I saw in my head come true. And I couldn't do it without any of them. Those are the real heroes of you know filmmaking. Is you know the guy holding the boomstick or the or the lights, you know, that's 
sideways hanging off of you know of, of a hill how we had to do in crybaby it's uh I, I love them all and i couldn't couldn't be happier with what we've been doing so but it's creating is always you know fun with me uh like i'm a very creative person like my brain's always going i have to be busy and um if you're like that and you're interested in film just get up and go do it okay great um i think we can wrap the uh episode up with that but uh joe can you tell everybody uh where you can be reached yeah anybody can find me on facebook uh, I believe I'm open to everyone. Um, you can find me on Twitter, uh, Instagram. I might be private on there. I think it might be open. I'm not sure. Um, but they can look for you. Yeah. Okay. So. All right. Well. And YouTube. You can find some stuff on YouTube. Just JP Willie or type Blood in the Woods or go into your Google browser and type in j.p.willie. Um, you know, author or just hit enter and pull up. And you can always check out the work, uh, my work on IMDb, which is where all my film credits are. Okay. And like you said, Crybaby Bridge is on YouTube. Yes, it so is. So I highly recommend go check that out. There's so much that is done with so little. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Say it bluntly. And okay, everybody, thank you very much. You know what we say. Be decent to each other. <laughs> Peace.